0: Welcome to First Importance, the official podcast of the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by this message. If you have your Bibles, would you join me now in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We are taking a short break uh, from our study in the book of Philippians together, and uh, we are moving to, at least for today, to the book of Revelation in chapter 1. We'll be looking at verse 8. It is summertime. You are feeling it right now. Uh, The temperature outside is increasing. It's getting warmer. It's summertime. It's uh, that time of the year where so many of us take time to get away, uh, we take some time to, to plan a vacation, to get away from the grind of work and to get away from the grind of school, uh, time to get away from our mundane routines and just relax. You know, a vast majority of our time in life is spent just planning and anticipating those moments of getting away. Students uh, this week have begun a summer break, teachers have begun summer break, uh, I knew there'd be an amen, a woohoo somewhere. Uh, we, we start off in school. We're ready for fall break, if we can just make it to fall break. And then we, we're spending all of our time after fall break just trying to make it to Christmas. And then from Christmas to spring break. And then finally, summer has arrived. And you enjoy that summer break. And the rest of us who perhaps aren't teaching in schools, you know, we're just working for the weekend. We're waiting on Friday day. Fry- Friday day. Friday and Saturday, put them together. You got Friday day. You want to enjoy it. You want to make that one day last as long as you can. You know, whether it's a staycation or at the beach or at the lake and the mountains, we all like to get away, whether it's by planes, trains, or automobiles. We want to go away and just get recharged. But what I want to do today is I want to show you something that God has been speaking to my heart personally, uh, how we can, as God's people, uh, keep our spiritual batteries at 100% and how we can keep our tank off of empty and on the fullest setting. The secret that I've been learning over the last several weeks is, to, as the author of Hebrews would say in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 2, set our eyes upon Jesus. How do you, how do you make it to the difficulties of life? How do you get rest from The constant barrage of the world and of Satan and of our flesh, how do we find reprieve? And I want to teach you today and over the next few weeks how we get encouragement and strength in rest by setting our eyes on Jesus. How many blessings have we forfeited because we've set our eyes on lesser things, The great uh, writer of the song, Come Ye Sinners, Joseph Hart says in his first verse, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. In that chorus, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are 10,000 charms. I want you to see this week. I want you to see today and over the next several weeks much more than just 10,000 charms and joys to be found as we daily set our eyes on Jesus. As a matter of fact I want us to do that today by viewing Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega. Revelation chapter 1 we're looking in verse 8 but let us begin in verse 7 today. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so, amen. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the almighty would you pray with me please father as we have now read your word i pray that in these next few moments it would be faithfully proclaimed so lord anoint me now by your holy spirit to preach your word and lord that you would up and down the aisles of this sanctuary and for those who are watching online whether in their homes Or wherever they are, Lord, I pray that right now you would grip our hearts to cast our eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Three times in the book of Revelation, Jesus refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. Three separate times. It happens here at the very beginning. John is in exile on the island of Patmos. He is uh, uh, being persecuted for his faith, and he sees this vision of the book of Revelation that God has given us. And here at the very beginning of this book, right after saying that he is going to come back, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, Jesus tells John, I am the Alpha and the Omega. in chapter 21 and verse 6 is the second time that this term is used of Jesus, that this name and title is given to Jesus. The great white throne judgment has already occurred. All of the enemies of mankind and of God's people have been subdued. And God has made all things new. And in Revelation Chapter 21 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And then again in chapter 22, in verse 13, as the book of Revelation is coming to a close, and Jesus reminds John to remind his people once again that he is coming, and he is coming soon. Jesus is referred to as the Alpha and the Omega. It's safe to say that in the book of Revelation, this is a title that is incredibly important. It has been, if it's been uttered one time by Jesus, those words are important to us. If he has said it more than once, if he said it three times, we know that these words carry special weight for us today. So as we cast our eyes upon Jesus in this service today, as you cast your eyes upon him throughout this week, I want us to see him as the Alpha and as the Omega. Now, for, in the Greek language, the Alpha is the beginning of the alphabet, and the Omega is the end. And so, for our purposes today, it's as, much, it's as easy for me to say that Jesus is the A and the Z. He is the very beginning of the alphabet, and he is the very end. And I want us to see today what this means and how we can gaze upon Jesus as our, and as the Alpha and the Omega. If you're taking notes, point number one, he is the beginning. He is the beginning. When Jesus says that he is the Alpha, what he is saying is that he is the beginning. That is, he is first in position chronologically he is the first that ever was he is the first that ever is in John chapter 1 in verse 2 of Jesus the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God before the earth was ever created on which mankind could stand and rebel against God before the heavens were ever created, where the songs of angels would echo across those blessed streets, before all of that, Jesus existed. He is the great I am. That's what the book of Exodus says about him, and Jesus reiterates it time and time again throughout the Gospels. He says it at least seven times in the Gospel of John. I am the great I am. I am I am. That is, he has always existed. He is the first that ever was. Now, if you go out here to the cemetery and you begin to look around at the tombstones, you're going to see a series of numbers on those tombstones. You will see a beginning date and an end date. And all of that person's life are summed up on those numbers and a small dash in between them. And you know, that dash can not accurately represent all of the, the experiences they had in life, the love that they had, the failures that they had, the challenge and the trials. That dash can accurately represent that person. But compared to Jesus, who has no beginning and no end, it's the exact same way we can't possibly conceive of the idea that Jesus has always existed, and yet he has. He is the first in position. You know, Daniel, in uh, the book of Daniel, when he is prophesying, he uses a term about Jesus, about the coming son of man. He calls him in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9, The Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days. You know, in our culture, it is a sad statement that uh, we have subtracted, we have subtracted significantly from our respect for the aged community. I can't tell you how many times in Southern Baptist cultures I have heard pastors say, I'm going to step out of the way and it's time to let the young men have their uh, time in the spotlight. And uh, and I'm thankful that First Baptist Church, uh, by God's uh, grace, allowed me to become your pastor. But what a mistake we make whenever we brush off our elderly, when we brush off those who... In other cultures, they would see these people, and they survived a long time on this earth, so they know a thing or two, right? Some of you in here, you know what I'm talking about. Some, some of you in this room may be a part of that community. To the my Sunday school class, the Sunday school class I was in this morning, that's not the joke I was talking about. You hold on, I'm going to, I got a joke in a little while. But that... You know, I, I know there's senior adults in this room. We don't—our society doesn't respect you as we ought to. And we're always—you see today, a lot of the problems that that are arising happen from, well, we just let the young people who have no idea what's going on, let them make the calls. You see it in today's culture. Let the children make these major life decision, life-altering calls and it's absolute ludicrous. Uh, it's it's an example of how uh, the judgment of God is really upon our society today. But there's an absence of respect for the aged in our society. Other societies recognize that, that the aged represent wisdom that have been accrued over years of failure and victory, love and, and difficulty. Now think about this. If we respect those who've lived a long life on this earth, who've accrued wisdom, how much more do we value the one who always was? There's nothing new to him. Jesus always was. He is the Alpha, the firstborn of all things. He has seen it all. There's nothing new to our God. He is first in pos- position. But secondly, he is, not only is he the first in position, but he is the first in power. Jesus as the A, as the Alpha, is first in power. Jesus is the source of power. All power in this world, all power in our universe is only on loan from the omnipotent one, the one who is the source of all power. Now, I begin to investigate this week the sun. The sun is the power generator of our solar system. Everything in our solar system revolves around the sun. All things in our solar system are energized and lighted by our sun. It's incredibly hot. Incredibly hot. The surface temperature of the sun is somewhere around 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Or as we call it in Arkansas, August. (laughs) That was the joke. (laughs) I enjoy it. Thank you, Stacy. 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It has a radius of 432, 690 miles. It has a diameter of 864,000 miles. It is made up of electrically charged gases, mostly hydrogen, and it's held together with this intense gravitational pull. And that intense gravitational pull creates pressure that causes hydrogen molecules or hydrogen atoms to collide with such force that it creates a new element called helium, That's called nuclear fusion. So there you go. Who ever told you I don't learn anything? I learned something this week, right? Hey, you know, scientists say that every 1.5 millionths of a second, the sun releases more energy than humanity can use in an entire year. The moon does not have any light-creating capability. All it does is reflect the light of the sun onto the earth. Now I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. Just as the moon has no light producing capabilities, it only reflects uh, the light of the sun. The Bible says in Psalm sixty two, verse eleven, Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. All the power in all of the universe. You know this? Even the sun knows that its power is on loan from the alpha of the universe. That's an amen inflection point right there. Even the sun and all of its brilliance and all of its energy, all of that is just on loan from God. Though we constantly try to override God, humanity tries to overlook him and undervalue God, the sun understands where its power comes from. Psalm 19 in verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God. Even the Son understands the speech that it's been given. The glory of God, all the power that it holds is only on loan from God. So I want you to hear this. Jesus as Alpha is the source of all power, is the beginning point of all power. The strength that you had today to get up out of your bed, guess who that's on loan from? God, the breath that's in your lungs, guess who that's on loan from? God, the ability of your heart to continue to beat and your eyelids to stay open, which not all of your eyelids are staying open right now, but the power that is there is all from God. Why? He is the source of all power. He is the first in position. He is the first in power. He is the first in prominence. And preeminence and priority. Jesus is Alpha is preeminent. That's what mean, that's what the scripture means in Colossians chapter 1, when we learn that Jesus is the firstborn over all creations. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Just like the Greek letter Alpha comes first, and the letter A comes first in our alphabet, Jesus comes first in all of creation. And tell me, if the sun knows its place, why don't you? If the moon knows its place, why don't you? As I look at Jesus as Alpha, as I gaze upon him and being glorious, in position, and in power, as we gaze upon Jesus and rest and find our joy in him, we see that that Jesus is, is worth our priority. Jesus is worth you putting him first in your life. That's just simply correct priorities. Anytime that he is not first in our life, we pursue all these other things. What happens? We wind up flat on our faces. We wind up without the joy that we thought that those things would provide us. But when you gaze upon Jesus, what you're doing is you're putting him first in priority in your life. You're merely, merely acknowledging what is true of him in all of creation. He is the Alpha. He's the beginning. That was point number one. Our second point is this. He is the end. What is meant now by Jesus saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. When he says he's the omega, he means he's the end. He is the last. By being Christ, uh, by being omega, we can learn a lot of things about Jesus. Not only is he the source of all power, but he possesses all power. He is the possessor of all power. Job spent the vast majority of the book that we read in his honor, he spent the vast majority of, of his life in that time without knowing what's going on in heaven. You remember Job chapter one, we read of the conversation that goes on in heaven. Job did not hear that conversation that went on in heaven. I mean, for 37 chapters, who knows how long Job endured the most painful suffering that any individual could go through he has his family taken away from him he has his riches taken away from him he has his health taken away from him he has virtually nothing left the few people that are still staying around him are the people who are saying curse god and die or they're saying uh you must have done something bad job He has no idea what's going on. And when God finally does speak, notice what God says. He doesn't alleviate Job by saying, this is why I did this. He doesn't alleviate Job by saying, there, there. What does does God say when he first speaks in Job chapter 38 in verse 1? Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, and he said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding who determined its measurements, surely you know, or who— "'stretched the line upon it? "'Or on what were its bases sunk? "'Or who laid its cornerstone "'when the morning stars sang together "'and all the sons of God shouted for joy? "'Or who shut in the sea with the doors "'when it burst out from the womb? "'And when I made clouds its garment "'and thick darkness its swaddling bland "'and prescribed limits for it "'and set bars and doors and said, "'Thus far shall you come and no farther "'and here shall your proud waves be.'" What is Jesus saying? What is God saying to Job here? He possesses all power. He spoke all of that into existence. Now, I love making things. I I enjoy uh, this last week I've been making, or last couple weeks I've been making a deck. And as hard as I might try, and I think of myself as a, fairly educated man, I struggle with getting things square and level. So if you ever come over to my house and you see something I've built, don't put a square or level on it. I struggle. I can measure twice, cut once. I can measure 15 times, cut once, and the, the deck's still not going to be perfect. The project's still not going to be right. And yet, God spoke everything into existence like that. With the word of his mouth. So when Jesus calls himself the Omega, what he's saying is, that he possesses all of the power. And look at his power on display. In the beginning, he's there, creating all things without guidance or wisdom. No Google. He didn't have to check out anything. He spoke it into existence. And then when you come to the book of Revelation, when all things are coming to an end, he's there bringing it about. He possesses all power, all knowledge, all wisdom, all things. To sum it up, our God is sovereign. Sovereign. Somebody give me an amen. When I say your God, my God sits on his throne, none can thwart his will. Isaiah chapter 46, beginning in verse 8, God says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. Look at God's sovereignty, his power, his knowledge, his wisdom. The end of the book was written before the beginning. He knew it all. He knows it all. He's orchestrated it all. Our God is on his throne. Now, inevitably, when we talk about these things, people want to get into the Calvinist-Arminian discussion, and that's not a discussion that I care to get into, and it's not because I want to weary away from those certain things, but I can say beyond a shadow of doubt from Scripture that God is sovereign and that he's yet still put the responsibility upon mankind to respond to the gospel. God is all-powerful when Jesus says that he is the Omega He possesses all power, all knowledge, all wisdom. To sum it up, our God is sovereign. So Alpha, he's the beginning. Omega, he's the end. When you come to Scripture and you read these statements, when you look upon Jesus, you just rest in that. God, before I ever was, you were. And before I went through this tragedy or trial in my life, Lord, you knew about it. And you know how to work good from this. And I can't see how in the world you can possibly make something good come from this. But God, you are sovereign. You are the alpha and you are the omega. You are the beginning and the end. But now look with me as we see my final point for today. Not only is he the beginning and the end, but he is everything in between. Everything in between. He's, he's, you know, what's the first thing we teach children before they go to school? What's the, one of the first things we'd like to teach them there? ABCs, right? I was going to start off this sermon with have the kids singing that with me, but I know they'd worn out. They did all their singing with you, Brother Johnny and Miss Linda, at the, very big, at the very middle of our service. But we teach them that first. Do you know why we teach them that first? Well, that's one of the first things we teach. You can't read unless you know the alphabet. You can't understand things properly. You can't understand the English language properly unless you understand the alphabet. And I want you to understand this. You can't understand anything in God's creation properly without viewing it through him. Nothing. It's where we we, as Christians even get messed up when we see the lost and we see them acting lost View them through the eyes of Jesus. Yes, their sin is worthy of death and hell and forever uh, uh, separation from God. But also think of that Jesus who left heaven's throne and came to this earth and lived a perfect life to die for our sins. And we ought to go and proclaim the gospel to them. We're to see everything through the lens of Jesus. He's the A through the Z, He's everything first and the last, and everything in between. I think it the ABCs. He's the author of eternal salvation. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the anointed one, the all in all, the anchor. The Bible says he's altogether lovely. He is the bright and morning star, the beginning and the end, the bridegroom, the beloved, the branch, the bread of life. He is the creator. The Christ, the captain of the Lord's host, the chosen of God, the cornerstone. He is the counselor. He is the comforter. He is our only confidence. He is the desire of nations. The day star, the day spring, our dwelling place, our defense, our deliverer, the door. He is the everlasting father, the eternal life from everlasting to everlasting. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the firstborn from the dead, the faithful witness, the forerunner, the fairest, the most faithful, the foundation, the fountain of living waters, our fortress. He is God. He's our guide. He's the glory of his people. He is the great high priest. And I'm rounding first, so someone better start cheering me on, okay? <laughs> He is the highest of all, the holiest of all, the heir of all, the hope of all. He is the image of the invisible God, the immortal, incorruptible. He is the great I am, our intercessor. J, he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is just. He is judge. He's our keeper. The king of glory, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, my friends. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of glory, the last. He's the Messiah, the man of sorrows, the mighty God. He is mighty to save our master, our mediator as Nazarene. He is the Nazarene with name above all names. He is the offspring of David, the only begotten son, the only wise God, omnipotent, omniscient, our peace, our portion, our preserver, the prophet, the priest, our pearl of great price. And oh, my friends, is he precious. He is the quieter of the storms of life, the quickening spirit. He's the redeemer, the ransom, the righteous, the rock of ages, our refuge, He's our savior, our shield and defender, our shepherd, our strength and our salvation. He's the teacher, the truth, the treasure, our unspeakable gift, the undeniable son of God. He is the vine, our true vine. He is the victory. He's the water of life, the word of God. The way he's wonderful. Now I know exalted don't start with X. But he's exalted and excellent. The express image of God. Why, you may ask. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Our salvation from Mount Zion. He's everything. Oh, I, how many blessings have you forfeited this week? Because Jesus has just been one letter in that alphabet for you. He's not just the vowels and the consonants. He's everything. A to Z. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's everything in between. And my question is, why do we keep setting our eyes on lesser things? Why do we keep distracting ourselves with lesser things? Do we not know that there's a world that's dying? Countless souls are going to spend an eternity away from him, and God has placed us here for such a time as this. How many Christians are looked down upon in society because they claim a God who has all of the power, and yet they never gaze upon him? My... My one advice to Vacation Bible School teachers and, and uh, uh, volunteers this week is, is this. I love you. Thank you for signing up. But if you're not going to spend time with Jesus in the mornings before you come up here, don't come up here and waste. You go talk to Sarah or Lee or Brother Billy and forfeit your time. Because if he's not worthy of you spending a little bit of your time with at the beginning of the day, but don't come and lie to these kids and pretend like he's worthy of him them living their lives for him. He's everything. He's everything. Uh, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is and was and is to come. But what is it to you? I mean, he is all those things, whether you count him that or not. But what is it to you? Gaze upon Jesus this week as the Alpha and the Omega. Gaze upon him as the beginning and the end. And watch your troubles and difficulties in life lessen in value as he increases. Thank you for listening to First Importance. It is our prayer that you have been blessed by this podcast. We welcome you to join us in person for worship at First Baptist West Memphis on Sundays at 1045 a.m., where our desire is to love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.